0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Clone Incorrect podcast. We have a really awesome guest for you guys tonight. We have Kirk from Arrow Precision. Uh, he's going to tell us all sorts of awesome stuff about how Arrow does things, what makes them different, and all of that. But he wanted to start off with a really cool story about raccoons. Please, Kirk, take it away.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so, raccoons, uh, like trash cats, raccoons, possums, skunks, they're pretty cool animals, right? I appreciate them. I happen to have this stray cat goes by my house that I leave cat food out for, right? But the raccoons, local to me, have gotten keen to this and they're they're trained. And so now occasionally they'll come through in a squad of about five and steal the cat food I leave out for the, the stray domesticated cat. And uh, it's pretty adorable. They'll uh, they'll wait for me to get home from work. They see me get out of my car. They stand up, and then they. I think the best way to describe that type of animal running is scurry. They don't actually run. They scurry, scurry into the backyard because they know there might be some cat food out for them. So I uh, kind of have a transient five population raccoon posse that frequents my property. That's pretty cool. Are you trolling them? Uh, no, no, no. You do anything character. cool? No, um, you know, I mean being a raccoon, to be in a raccoon, No tricks yet. I, w- I, I mean, wanna so I, w- I wanna move to a state where it's legal to own raccoons like as pets and then teach them to like to like just cause mischief. Like nothing Damn. like harmful, but just cause mischief. Oh, so I, mean, I, mean, I, mean,
0: I would really <laughs> like to see Aero Precision start offering AR fifteen armor's courses for raccoons. Uh, so that we can really help them get past the issue of not having opposable thumbs and how that impacts their ability to build a rifle, um, I think that could be very useful for the community. They don't have c-
2: opposable thumbs. Are you sure
0: they don't? They they don't have thumbs. They don't have thumbs. They just have thumbs.
2: Uh, ra- m- what raccoons?
0: Yeah, well, they don't have the full web of thumb. Like they don't. No, have the they, they, hand.
1: raccoons. Raccoons are marsupials, so they have thumbs. Raccoons are marsupials. Possums are marsupials. Mm, that's possum.
0: Even if they don't have, Fucking even if they do man. have thumbs, they're not really well suited to normally building AR 15s So they're Fortune. going to need help. They're gonna need a training it, program. It, We're it missing can the train.
2: I have watched raccoons wash food in creeks
0: because I've
2: watched they're not self conscious. In creek. So I sad.
1: think if they if they partnered up. I think if they partnered up and you had like two raccoons for most of it, they'd be okay. Uh, torquing a barrel nut down, you'd probably need a few of them just to get the weight to reach the yeah. barrel nut torque spec. I
3: but bet you raccoons don't even know how to seize of the them. Threads up
0: an upward. I mean, That's
1: why we teach them.
0: You have to teach them properly. Now, the advantage of using like four raccoons worth of torque spec is it is not uh, one Bubba giving the ugga-dugga in uh, just go ahead and strip it all out and uh, cross-thread the shit out of a barrel nut. Like, there's not enough raccoon to do that. You have to have a chungus to do that.
1: I think you would just have to elect one raccoon that was really big. I was going to say, I've seen some uh, some
2: really chungus raccoons that could, could do that.
0: But the question is, would they cross-thread a barrel nut?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm telling you man I have seen some chungus raccoons in grain silos that could totally cross thread a baronet
4: they ate their way out <laughs>
3: when is raccoon creek armory the only way up? out is down do what raccoon creek
1: I mean yeah. I said, when is raccoon creek armory opening up
2: I'm just gonna say we need to we need to rival Bear Creek and uh, open Raccoon Creek.
0: I mean, I think it's just a good idea, you know. And it's one of those things that there's a niche in the market that needs to be embraced. And I, I think this might be a business venture for us to con- uh, consider here, boys. The
1: raccoon niche. Yeah, I think it's there's something here. You but... can put like in every box a little card, hand vers- hand built by raccoons in West Virginia. Yes. This, wouldn't that be a little bit of false advertising, though? Because we'd have a gorilla working there.
0: Okay, but You're, the gorilla can be directing the uh, you know assembly process for the raccoons.
2: I was going to say the gorilla is the supervisor
3: to jobs. the raccoons. There's
0: many jobs when it comes to Raccoon Creek. Okay, it's completely fine. I think there's something to work with here, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. That we we could we now need to test for science. Can a raccoon actually cross thread a barrel nut?
1: I well, I got I got I got five. So once I once I <laughs> leave the state of Washington, if they if they follow me voluntarily out out of out of you know state lines, quote we, we quote can quote train them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is illegal to own a pet raccoon in Washington, so I don't want to, um, you know, don't want to break any laws. But if they follow me voluntarily, if they migrate if i migrate some raccoons to i don't even know what state what the closest state is like north carolina that's probably probably be a safe bet I, I think you can own a raccoon there
0: i feel like there's a just, list here somewhere to look up and I, i've seen the map before it's a raccoon I can't remember well. there, there's a lack of legal raccoon map and the question i have to wonder is yeah, we all joke about getting put on watch lists. But what kind of a watch list do you get put on for wanting to own a raccoon? Uh, the cool of them. That's probably, <laughs> as low, like, that's priority number one. Like that's, that's, what they, that's the ATF's real priority, is whether or not you want to oh, own a raccoon. Fu-
1: yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> you, yeah. Fish <laughs> has- and wildlife is in my walls as we speak.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The next uh, ATF audit for Arrow Precision, they just start asking, "And any raccoons in the building?" Oh shit, no!
1: I would be immediately pulled into an office if raccoons got brought up. <laughs> they, they would know. <laughs> what you, what's going on here, buddy? Why are they asking about raccoons? Huh, you know,
0: I don't know. I don't know, man. But it's interesting. So, uh, like, Arrow's a, a pretty prominent company, and it's also. I think people fail to realize how much Arrow actually does and what Arrow has really managed to accomplish as a brand in the past few years. And uh, being a guy that has spent a lot of time behind the counter, I've known Arrow to be one of those brands that pretty much is a safe bet. Like,
3: somebody wants something? Well, if you don't know what you want, get
0: an Arrow. You'll
1: be happy. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of that has to do with our roots, right? So p- people don't realize, like, we do do a lot. We're pretty, you know, not to toot our own horn, but we're a pretty large manufacturer in the uh, AR-15 space, and we're kind of now growing that in other platforms, right? But um, we started as an aerospace manufacturer. We did OEM work for a lot of big plane companies. And then, you know, naturally kind of some opportunities came up to get into firearms. We had, you know, pretty good success in that and then eventually launched our own brand. Um, And why that's important is um, we have a really good mix of employees where we have people that are super intimately familiar with machines and how to machine things well and efficiently. And then you have, you know, the gun people, um, engineers, that type of stuff. And when we kind of put our heads together, you get magic. So we're able to. You know, make good products at a very affordable price without you know um, sacrificing quality at that price. That
4: mm-hmm. already sounds a lot better than uh, what I've heard about most uh, gun manufacturers. Uh, most of them aren't gun people at. That- yeah,
0: like
2: I was gonna say, all- this is
0: already better
2: than what I hear about.
0: Hey, uh, no, <laughs> we have a lot of people that like to. uh, Talk about, you know, certain brands and pitch this idea. And. um Really, at the end of the day, I think people don't realize that gun companies aren't always run by gun people. And it, it's OK to have someone who's not a gun person work at a gun company if they serve a good purpose in their job. But um if you don't have the gun people in the company to also help direct and set the pace for how the company is supposed to work you are dooming yourself and it's apparent to me that you guys have some real serious shooters at the company that are helping direct the path of the way products are released and developed it's obvious to anyone who can see it
1: yeah, and like our, our new bolt guns are a pretty good example of that. I think it wasn't just a, um, you know, any of our company cut and pasting into a bolt gun space. Um, there was a lot of thought that went into it. And it just comes back down to that really good team we have where, you know, we can all kind of uh, put egos aside and have a good constructive discussion and then come to market with a really strong product that people want.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, the thing when I look at the, the way you guys have actually kind of branched out into new stuff. Like, the EPC series people were really interested in, and I think it's definitely a super interesting idea. And then we also have seen the Aero Solus line and the Suppressors. Um, so we're seeing a lot of development on this stuff that's, like, genuinely interesting and cool stuff. Um, so, to me... I see. There's a lot of opportunity for Arrow to grow, and I think the most interesting to me is the uh, the suppressors. Like that's a whole thing, and you have a lot of capability to make a lot of really cool stuff there. So, what's the process for developing the suppressors been like? As far as why did you guys want to get into making uh, suppressors? How in depth have you guys actually really focused on the manufacturing developments stuff? That sort
1: of thing. Yeah. So suppressors, the way we kind of got into that, honestly, was just it was kind of a diversification move where, like, hey, we can bring the same value that we bring to the AR space to the suppressor space. We have a VG6 Precision, that co- we acquired them as a company a while back now. I can't remember the exact date. Um, so we have a full muzzle device line, and that's kind of a natural progression for that. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: that was quite a while ago, right? Because I remember yeah, like 2016 you owned VG6. Yeah.
1: I was, I was saying it was about that time, right? Yeah, and so the, uh, the the individual who founded that company is actually an engineer for us um, still, um, which is really awesome. And he's a very passionate individual. So um, getting into that, the way that kind of came to be is essentially we all kind of get in a room and we say, hey, what do we want our first suppressor to be? And the general consensus was, you know, 30 caliber centerfire rifle can uh, make one that's very durable, carries a good warranty, has very good ratings, right? That's kind of the the go-to formula nowadays it's very it's uh proved its success right Mm -hmm. and then from there growing that line out into different calibers different constructions that type of thing so the lahar 30 line they come in three lengths um that was kind of the debut suppressor launch for us and uh people have been pretty happy with them so far we're uh you know a few months ago started seeing forms to get approved which is super exciting because uh, yeah. you put all this work into this product and you sell it right, and then it's like, oh, okay, we're going to see what people think about it in a year, which is like super suspenseful. But um, you know, the uh, feedback has been overwhelmingly positive up to this point, so it's been kind of good to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it seems like a well made suppressor, and it seems like it's being pretty well accepted right now. And I think what's interesting to me is that I look at the data that Pew Science has put out about it, and it looks like it actually is a solid can. Um, when you, I don't know what your involvement has been with understanding how Jay checked y'all's work essentially with it. But I think it's really cool that you guys actually have welcomed his support and his feedback uh, in this process. Cause there's a lot of companies and some people like Jay and some people don't, but it seems you guys are willing to ask for that at open critique. Um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah. So the the the, in, the annoying thing with suppressors, right? And I'll, I'll preach this till I'm blue in the face is um, when you know any company meters their own sound, it's gonna have some nuances that make it not really scientific when comparing other uh, suppressor manufacturers, right? Like so, when we were developing our can, we would measure our can. Okay, good. Um, look at what another company was advertising measure theirs and it would be different on one end or the other, either louder or quieter um, based on the um, environment we were testing in, right? So having you know some sort of service where you can send that to somebody and it's all um, controlled, that's super valuable. <laughs> to me, that's I think the
3: huge value of it is the consumer market
0: just doesn't have Outside of J, a standardized place to go, and
2: and I think uh, when you think about a major difference of that is how different it is to test the sound of a suppressor versus like your average rifle. Anybody can go test. Anybody can go shoot. You know, a ten round group and post it, and that's just like, yep, that's just the group they shot. You know, like could mm-hmm. say they put it in the lead sled, and you are like, okay, well, that's a pretty good baseline. You know, it's. Probably not that on our but if someone's testing, you know, suppressor testing is just a lot different.
5: Yeah. yeah I it's think just... it's
2: interesting to see companies that are unwilling to mm-hmm. let uh science test. And I think at this point, that's a very bad business move <laughs> because it's, proved, it's proven to be really the only source of good suppressor data at the moment. And I'm sure well, other dude. things will come around, but...
1: Sound is weird. Like that's the that's the big thing like I tell people. Um as far as like you can have your peak decibel uh, you know, reading it at its surface level. You can have two cans with the same peak decibel reading though, and they sound vastly different, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that there's a lot of uh you know tone tone science that goes into that and that type of stuff. Um and I couldn't explain this in detail enough to do it justice, to be honest, but um, you know, that's important. So I think having somebody with the resources until there's some sort of national standard for this. Um, it's huge,
0: yeah. Like, it's it's quite literally until like there is an NIJ system of testing silencers, you're not gonna see right? that level of standardization. <laughs> and I think Pew Science is the only one doing anything substantial in that category. And I understand the criticism that some people have of saying, well, they don't like that they can't check his work, okay. That's fine, but like when we meter everybody else's stuff on our own and check it and be like, hmm, it appears that you weren't accurate in this thing. It's uh, pretty obvious and telling in that case that there was nothing consistent in the first place. So at least one consistent resource is better than no consistent resources.
1: Yeah, and that's... uh... I mean, that, that hits the nail on the head. Uh, again, just getting that consistency. Um, like, you send a guy a can for a review who's just like a YouTuber or whatever, right? And they they film themselves shooting and go, oh, it's really quiet. And it's like, cool, as a user, that gives me no data. Yep. Or, that, or they have their Amazon.com, like... Oh, that might be trademarked. That might get me in trouble. But they're <laughs> <laughs> they're, they have their, their
0: substandard uh, meter. They, yeah, they end the like turn. half
2: the world, so it's fine.
0: What, you guys aren't <laughs> prime-level citizens? Plebeians. Uh,
1: <laughs> three blacked-out ends just pulled out in front of I my wait. house. I, I a wait the a week for my
0: packages. <laughs> we heard you've been talking ill of King
1: Bezos, sir. A Blue Origin <laughs> rocket just buzzed my house. I'm in trouble. Is <laughs> 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 there a giant dick flying over my head. <laughs> There's
0: a bunch of Amazon drones that are just actually spelling out the phrase, we're watching you in front of my place. That's weird. <laughs> but right. yeah, if you look at the whole process of it, it's like. Okay, that's that's great. But if I know brand X or brand Y, and I would get this question selling suppressors all the time. And you would get these guys that would be like, well, this company says this, this company says this. And I had to just tell people, like, disregard that because you can't tell the difference, right? And at at some level, the human ear can't tell the difference between about, like, five decibels. But more importantly, what I didn't know then, that I know now, is that everyone's messing with their test data in the first place. So none of it was consistent. (laughs)
1: And it's not even malicious, right? Like we did the best we could internally, right? And we we were able to test it consistently where we could benchmark ourselves against competitors and have like reference data, but you might have somebody else who measures and gets the same trend that we get, but it's like five decibels more or less, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's hard.
0: And I think the other thing that's interesting to me is you guys, amongst all of the other companies in the industry... Have a level to manufacture more suppressors than anyone else. I'm like, don't think people really appreciate that for what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was some uh, investment that had to be made in, you know, tooling up for like, you know, welding cans and that type of stuff, right? We had to, we have, but we have a whole line in our factory that's, you know, dedicated to just that, right? There's some crossover with the machines for like manufacturing baffles and blast chambers and that type of stuff with, with things we're already doing, right? Um, Like, if a machine can manufacture a barrel nut, it can do a a baffle. (laughs) Um, But then investing in that that extra piece of it to make sure um, we're doing it right, and then we have, you know, a really durable can, Uh, which is another Mm -hmm. piece of this, too. Like, the sound testing is important, too, but also what can the suppressor do? So we were really uh, particular with materials that we chose. Uh, When when getting into this, rather than just doing like a straight seventeen four can, we wanted to ensure there was Inconel in there for the blast baffle um, because we viewed that was important for the user to get a good happy life out of that can.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like it's one of those things that like the amount of uh, solid suppressors that can be churned out at a reasonable price with consistency is something that really means nobody else can is going to be able to touch the suppressors that you guys make as far as market penetration as far as is it the best performing <laughs> thing in the market <laughs> Nah, maybe not maybe it is right but as far as as literal suppressors in hand and actually getting the market like saturated in your product nobody's gonna be able to touch you
1: Yeah. And I mean, like I can, I can, you know, I'm obviously there's some degree of bias with me because I work in product development for this company, but like um, my opinion and the opinion of a lot of other people I respect went into this product, right? And I I truly believe in it. So it's, uh, I think it's a good can for people, especially if it's like your first rifle can. Um, It checks a lot of boxes. It's not the lightest can in the world. I'll be the first to admit that, but it's also, you know, you can run it on a belt fed and it'll be fine. (laughs) So uh, there's no real free lunch there with materials. Um, something yeah. I learned kind of early on, you know, you, you can you can do lighter stuff, but it might not It will, likely won't last as long um, with some of the other materials.
0: So as far as the actual testing protocol, because you said you ran on a Bell fed. So like, what does that wor- look like at like a major manufacturer level? Because it's one thing for us to talk to a company that has, you know, <clears throat> if you're a smaller company and you burn it down on like one or two suppressors on. A full auto ar or something right how does that durability testing actually look
1: so for the lahar specifically because of kind of what it was targeted at it was a pretty easy thing to kind of translate over um we used what was called uh, surge testing it's a socom test protocol for the suppressed upper receiver group contract back in the day um and what that basically entails is it's um the numbers are kind of fleeting my mind now because it's been a while now since we were kind of going through all that but it was uh, a section of full auto section of burst fire section of semi-auto one shot per second cadence i want to say it's like 240 rounds per cycle um and then you let you let the cam cool to a certain temperature which i can't remember off the top of my head um it's all it's all you can look it up online though it's all uh you know public domain at this point for that test protocol and then um and then you run that again so we would run that um i think the minimum we were shooting for was eight and we surpassed that cycles so doing that a bunch of times you get your heat cycling the can a ton you're getting it glowing hot you'll see a lot of uh, pictures in our marketing assets of like these cans that are just like the finish is super beat up on them and they're belching flames out the front from uh secondary detonation um (laughs) that's likely when those were taken um, so that's kind of what that looks like. And that's going to far surpass what, you know, 95% of users are going to, uh, that's mm-hmm. a pretty, that's a pretty uh, yeah, probably more than
4: 95, actually. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty
1: liberal number there. But
0: yeah,
4: um, you're,
0: being, you're being very generous of that. I think there might be like a total of like 10 commercial purchasers of that suppressor that are going to try to push it to that limit.
1: Yeah, Man. so and like and, and the thing is if it'll stand up to that, it'll stand up to, you know, Bubba mag dumping into garbage all day. Like how
4: many I mean, washing machines sweet. can sweet. I mag dump into?
1: We um
4: here
0: a we here at the Clonic Correct podcast do firmly believe in the health benefits of mag dumping into trash.
1: Cultured individuals.
4: Yes,
0: exactly. Um and it's Ask good to know, know that we mag have... mag dumping
4: into garbage is right for you.
0: It, it always is it always is and it's good to know that the lahard will stand up to that abuse which is a good thing um but when it comes to like the other products right like the um the solace like that's a really cool product i really want one um and i look at that and it's a smartly designed thing so obviously the suppressor thing is it's kind of a shoe in It's just you guys deciding that you want to give it a go, is really what it is, right? For this, yeah. For the heart. whereas the Solace is like we're going to jump into a place that we know we don't normally belong, but we're going to try it anyway, and that's well, that's cool to me.
1: Yeah, and it's it was uh, like I said earlier. You know, it's very intimidating getting into that because you like there's this uh, expectation that when an a-, a company known for ARS gets into that space. Um, people want want you to fail. <laughs> it's just how it is. Um, the long range like, shooting community also is young super.
4: kind of very fucking.
0: Yeah, L- PRS and uh, like precision rifle series and that sort of stuff. You could probably just replace precision with pretentious, and it would be still just as accurate.
1: Um, but. When we approached that product, again, same kind of deal, it's just a little bit more granular. There's a lot more, as far as features going on with the bull gun than there is a suppressor uh-huh. um, and needs. Like you have your ratings for a suppressor, you want to have it hub compatible for mounts. Um, you want it to have, carry good ratings and a good warranty, right? Um, bolt guns, it's much more granular outside of that.
0: Cause then you have to like, okay, like it's probably going to be a 700 action, but how are we going to make this different? How are we going to have the solutions handled? And honestly, Savage Barrel Nut idea. That that's perfect. Like that, or, I, it couldn't have gone better.
1: Yeah, and the Savage bar- the Savage barrels are great. But I mean, honestly, like I'll tell most people who are building them is if you're like cool with buying uh, action wrench and a barrel vise, like is there shoulder prefits are the way. Because you can go to any number, and same thing for Savage. But I, I like the the shoulder prefits just because I uh, don't like to think too much, and it's just easier to mm-hmm. paint it down and validate headspace. <laughs> um, yeah, but you can you can go to any reputable barrel manufacturer right now. the The gun's open source. You can get um, you go to Proof Research. They sell barrels for it. Anyone with a Zermat or Savage Small Shank barrel prefit, um, you can fit to this action. Um, And kind of the the whole objective for it when we were like, okay, we want to sell this as a standalone action was make it open source so someone's not pigeonholed into, you know, the arrow pattern barrel tenon, right? And then there's only like two people making barrels for it. Um, Leaning into that builder market that we've kind of catered to for the last several, you know, uh, several years is an understatement. (laughs) Um, But... Uh, cater to them to make make it where it's a product where you know if you want a turnkey good out of the box production rifle we offer that. If you want to do a little bit of customization, you can buy the barreled action. If you want to you know get super granular and build a total custom rifle off of our action, you can do that with minimal barriers to entry.
0: I, mean, I think that's kind of the thing that like that's the way people want to see a company like you guys do it. You did it the right way out of the
4: gate um yeah every time every time someone releases some kind of gun or handgun or rifle or whatever fuck, and it doesn't take like a like a standard ar mag or clock mags or something people always get really pissed yeah like making making certain stuff proprietary for no reason is a an easy way to kill your problem yeah it absolutely is, and
0: you guys have a, done a very smart job of avoiding that, while also still making it actually easy for you to do it yourself.
1: Yeah, and then you know where where there was essentially it's just like a, a brain baby of like this is what we want to see out of an action. Like people call it a seven hundred clone, but truth be told, it's not. It, it shares a seven hundred footprint, and it shares a seven hundred trigger um, installed via hanger, so it's isn't even attached to the receiver the same way, but. Um, it's a three lug bolt. It has interchangeable bolt heads. You know, the barrel tenons is a big thing. We do the integral, uh, scope rail, integral recoil lug. Um, so it's like 700 ish. Um, it's a 700 inspired clone, you know,
4: it's a very clone incorrect. <laughs> 700 so to speak. So it's a Mark 18 basic. Yeah. yeah you <laughs>
1: put, put a it's, ten and a half inch barrel on it. It's a Mark 18 clone dude. Like, <laughs>
0: Uh, I just want someone to just put like a ten point three five by six barrel under saw. Listening, like, it's my Mark eighteen now. Like, no, it's not a, a fucking
4: quad rail.
0: Yes, yes.
5: <laughs>
1: hey, we're uh, we're we're working on bolt heads for intermediate cartridges. So soon, that could be a reality.
0: Ooh. I do like that idea though. And now I'm
2: going to be the first to do it.
0: If you guys I don't know do that. that, are you going to? Would you want? that to have its own stock that takes an ar mag because that's the natural win
1: um like the the like the long-term like future state for that product um eventually maybe um there's kind of pros and cons to doing it either way like if you miniaturize and this is nothing set in stone here um but like if you miniaturize the action it's cool you can do uh more creative stuff with the chassis you could probably do it in the same uh footprint just thinking about it um But you have to take into fact if we're going to do anything, that's going to like shorten the action size, right? If we want to do a special action for that, then you can't run uh, seven hundred footprint chassis on it, and then that like pigeonholes the consumer out of it. But um, you know, long term, there there is a case to be made for if we can make it work with you know all existing components that we put out um, doing stand It's just like again, just well, I haven't quite gotten that far yet.
0: Well, here's a thought idea. You already make 5.56 barrels and 300 blackout barrels. Just make it take an AR barrel that doesn't have a cast port. Like
3: those
4: old fucking tube guns. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but they used to make like I do not remember rifles, this, please. Tube chassis rifles or some shit that take AR. This is like 15 you're years gonna ago have to, or something. I don't know. You're going to
3: have to find this and put this in the chat because I don't know it's, what you're
4: talking it's about. It's gone. I, I can try to find
1: The uh, the only hiccup with that right now would be like it's a whole new. You're basically developing a new product, right? Because you got to do new bolts. You got to do make your internal geometries change to account for the bolt throw. Um, kind of as it is with the existing ecosystem, the the most immediate route to go would be to do like a smaller bolt head and then just use their matte pattern um, intermediate cartridge barrels.
0: Yeah, which I mean, in practice, would probably be the smarter way to do it. Um, but I kind of, I look at that idea and it's just like, I I've been interested in the intermediate caliber bolt gun as an idea for a precision long range trainer. And I'm kind of annoyed at the options that I have.
1: Well, the thing is too, if you do it as a trainer though, you want it to all be kind of similar to your, you know, your six, five gun, your three gun. Yeah. And
0: that's kind so. of the, that's kind of the trade-off on it is. There's like, it's not, it wouldn't be a one to one, which would be annoying. And then also doing it that way, like, it's like only two people really making a bolt gun like that. And I'm not too fond of that idea, it just doesn't yeah, make it's, a whole lot of sense to me.
1: It's, uh, it's kind of again when you get into the smaller stuff. Like I, from what I've observed, manufacturers take kind of two paths. It's either we're going to miniaturize our existing action, or the less common that I see. So some do it still, but um, you'll have uh, just kind of a a scale, just scale down the you know chamber, scale down the bullhead, and have maintain all the same controls.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a whole weird rabbit hole on that, but I think it's interesting that like. I don't I like the Solus idea as it is. Oh hey, did you find
3: a thing here? Forges, what did you
4: find here? Uh this thing apparently takes like all AR fifteen like hardware and shit. Black collar arms. What? We can we can cut this.
3: We can cut this out. That's interesting. That's a nifty idea. I had no idea oh. this even existed. This is new. I didn't know that existed either.
0: That's kind of cool. I, it's a nifty idea. The thing that is, I would say I, I would actually have a little bit... Because it's AR-10. It looks like it, take, it takes an AR trigger, which is kind of silly. It's an AR trigger on a bolt gun. Like, you have... That's an entire yeah, Well, it
4: takes like an AR-10 ECG, too,
3: which is also... Op-
5: I mean,
0: I think I remember hearing about this gun a while ago. I just I don't know. I've recently
4: been getting into... I don't know. I think the, taking the BCG is a little too much compatibility.
5: I just... Uh, you might be going a little
0: too far here, guys. <laughs> now, I haven't also... Three alone, alone I think so far.
5: It.
0: Yeah, I don't think they even have any of them out in the wild, though, so it's like... Cool, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <Like> you... <laughs> they have the, other
1: thing here, for the sake of discussion um the ability to build it into either a chassis gun or like a more traditional monte carlo style stock that affects us too that's uh yeah you know there's there's a lot of ways to when you go to a white paper you know there's infinite ways to, to skin the cat so to speak um it's just kind of again on our end it just kind of comes down to what the um, intent for the product line is so yeah and look, um, what's
5: gonna
0: sell like that's the other thing like You'll, if you take any sort of reinvent-the-wheel-type uh, awkward and goofy bolt gun and make it, and it's like, this looks like Aero Precision decided we can make Air 15, so we're going to make a bolt gun, and this looks like a gun that is clutched together and not a well-thought-out bolt gun, then you get scorched for it. But with what you did, you actually put something together that was well-thought-out, and it looks like it's going to be pretty successful product in the market as things go forward so in that sense you played that one right unlike how i think if someone told me like four years ago oh yeah Arrow's going to make a bolt action rifle like what's it gonna look like right i would have probably assumed it would have looked something like not to not really even a dig on the gun but look like a ruger rpr right if I had been told that four years ago, that's what I would have thought an arrow bolt gun would have looked like. You didn't do that. You did something that was available for a more typical bolt gun and still capable of actually fitting the market you're trying
1: to compete in. Um, yeah, and the core of it's really the action, to be honest. If you make an action that you can build out, um, your principles of accuracy across firearms are all pretty similar, right? Um, so if you get the action right, and you can like, again, like the 700 footprint, you can drop it in a chassis, you can drop it into like our hunter gun, it's an AG composite stock, you can kind of tailor that action around your use case, which is um, huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the beautiful part about it. Um, I think the question that kind of comes up with, like, building out a gun like that, or setting up a gun like that is... Um, when you have a idea to build a gun in this pattern, are you trying to what's the best way to say it? Are you nervous you're not actually trying to be ambitious enough and the trade off between being too ambitious, if that makes any sense? Like how what's the right level of trying to get creative before you realize that you stepped over the line?
1: Well, I think there's, like, you know, I have these really, like, fever dream ideas for products that I know are not commercially viable at all, and that line's pretty obvious in my head. It's something that I think would be cool, and we'd sell, like, five of them to five really passionate people. <laughs> um, but leaving it, leaving it kind of open-ended as it is, as far as calibers and configurations, um, it's kind of a good happy medium, I think, where, you know, we take the features we know people want that are, you know, and then they, not only do they want them, but they make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um if the the masses want something that's really bad we're not going to put that out <laughs> if it's if it's objectively really bad right um if that makes sense right it has to, it has to be a quality yeah. product it has to be a quality product right and that's the the kind of the one of those pillars of, of what we do
0: uh um, I, I really but, want to know what are these fever dream ideas when you get a moment
1: oh like a like a Tokarev of uh epc that we we're talking about earlier that's <laughs> a perfect example I can um, just
0: see a Tokarev uh, EPC with the lahar on the end of it, and you're just sitting there with the biggest grid on your
1: face. Like you know, there's a lot of dumb stuff. Like my my solace that I'm building out personally for uh, western hunting here in Washington for like mule deer, I'm doing a 338 Federal. that's throwback,
3: that's not,
1: dude. I'm not gonna go, and I'm not gonna go to work tomorrow. and be like, hey, we need to be making 338. That's a good example right there. Actually, right, we need to be making 338 Federal everything because it's not. There's not a market for it, right? And like with eight six being introduced, that makes this whole discussion even way more, you know, complicated. But I just it, think it's, it's neat. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> like eight six is entirely its own thing. I think an eight six barrel would probably sell well. Yeah, there's been some discussion about
1: it. Um,
0: I, there's some people we- that have
1: built them. They do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, the blanks for those are really fun to make because um, they're like a one and three twist.
0: That's the weird thing about that caliber is that that particular gun, I think 8.6 is entirely the same idea as like a four fifty eight, right? You think it'd be really cool to own, and it's really cool to take (sighs) out to the range a little bit here and there. But as far as like, oh yeah, I'd shoot it all the time. No, you wouldn't. No, you do not.
1: My thing with 8.6 is I, I would put it in the same category as blackout, right? Like, I have blackouts 99% of the time, though, I shoot subsonics out of it. Yeah. So, like, if I were to build one, that's probably the role it would fill. It would be, like, a primarily subsonic rifle where I'm just throwing really, really heavy pills. I love the idea of the fast twist rate.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um the it is... Um, there's a trade-off though, where you can't run certain types of projectiles, right? Because it'll it'll rip them apart. Yeah. But I love I love fast twist rate guns in general. Um, I, like I want to spin that projectile as fast as I can without ripping it apart. Um, I think the whole that that chart that everyone knows with the the AR barrel twist rates with the mm-hmm. the green, the yellow, and the red line, that thing needs to go away. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: no, you're you're probably correct on that. I've only found a couple times where a one in seven was not was too fast for what I was trying to do. I've honestly had an accuracy issue on one occasion. I had a, I've got a one in seven barrel in one of my guns and I was trying to shoot Winchester 64 grain deer XP and that gun was printing like a three inch group. And I was like, this is not looking for me. And then I went and shot some 77 grain OTMs and it was, went right down to an inch and I was like, oh, it's the ammo. This gun doesn't like that ammo. Okay.
1: Yeah, I would love to like spend a bunch of time getting into the weeds on that because um, I mean it's a whole study. Like people, like people I just mentioned have built careers off of it. Right, it's super fascinating stuff. Uh, to be honest, a lot of it goes pretty far over my head, but um, that's that's kind of the joy of this industry is you're going to die not knowing everything, and the sooner you accept it, the better. But that would be that would be a really fun rabbit hole to go down for ten years, you know?
0: Oh yeah, I think that's actually. I... I've never actually heard a more true statement than about guns than what you just said, is that you're, you're going to die not knowing everything about guns. You're going to keep learning something weird and new, and it would surprise the crap out of you, but you, you learned it, right? And it was a whole different thing, and it throws off things that you thought you knew for 10 years, and now suddenly, nope, that's actually not how it goes.
1: It's a side tangent here. Super important, I think, for everyone in this community to have that mindset. Because we get these weird like dogmas that are built mm-hmm. based on like dated data or like one person's opinion. And they, they they shut off any sort of growth mindset to like what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that's, that's that, that that uh hinders progress.
0: <laughs> it does. It really does. Like that's a very good point because the amount of times that I've had <clears throat> some guy tell me that he is completely adamantly correct about something that he was definitively wrong about. It's endless. It's endless how wrong I've heard so many people be about things in the space.
4: And the yet I try to conduct myself as usual. Um, I'm confident but then I keep a little bit like 1% reserve, that I might
3: just be a fucking idiot.
5: I mean, I think everybody should have
4: that little voice of, like, I might just be.
0: Well, maybe one day, actually, you'll know that there's six forges,
5: okay?
3: No, there's only five.
1: The guy on Facebook said so. Kirk
4: is right on this. You're wrong.
0: (laughs) Arrow actually owns three of them, so, huh?
1: dude oh i God. the forging thing and infuri- like like that that whole meme please, is like
0: please rant it, about it because i don't it, think people actually understand this it hurts my soul do.
1: it hurts my soul because like you, you we still get it to this day like a lot of people have done a lot to dispel that or even like the fact idea of what a forging even is but like so oh, it's all come from the same forging house or i'll hear so and so like the other thing people love to do is say who we owe am for they, like, heard from a buddy at a gun shop that we OEM for this company they really like, so then they'll use that as, like, justification for their purchase.
4: Yeah,
0: like, and, like everyone brought this for them, like, no, they didn't. <laughs>
1: I'm, like, I'm like, no, we didn't. Like, like, the running joke is, it's like, oh, yeah, we made it on the machine next to where we're making F-22 Raptor parts right now, like. <laughs> But yeah, the forging things is it's it's literally like I need people to understand it's like a raw, it's a raw material. That's all it is. Um you can do some creative stuff with forgings, like all of our M41, M5 EPC receivers, those are all forged instead of billet. But outside of that, a mil spec forging, if it's inspected, a mil spec forging and people just don't seem to get it, that's like the lowest common denominator of an ar 15 receiver.
4: The best yeah, like, way I figured so the final out, machine how to explain this the- to stupid people is you can get two stakes and hand them to a professional chef and a cra- and they're going to one's going to be burnt piece of garbage and one's going to be delicious so I love that really analogy fucking-
0: it's it's the best and that like that's a it's a great analogy it's like a, a good chef will be able to do better work uh than a crappy chef no matter what the raw material they're handed is cuz you can still burn the shit out of a very nice steak
1: and they're shitty stakes, too. I'm sure there have been plenty of people who've put out bad forgings, but the majority of them nowadays, it's like it's all like most of them are Anchor Harvey or you know Brass Machine or you know you know one of the five you know that everyone references. There's more than five. The five.
0: That there are so only five of them. I I take the uh, the M4E1 receivers, even though since they're forged, but they're obviously very different than the other ones. Are those just done like differently by the same? Forging houses that everyone's come to kind of expect. Uh, basically,
1: that... we have proprietary dies that are on a line at a forging house that won't be named.
0: Uh, okay, um, so you you have paid for the dies to be made that are your own dies.
1: Yeah, and we bas- like it's essentially like a line dedicated to M forty ones or, or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So
4: I can that uh, I can't think of very many that have proprietary dies. That puts it in a pretty rare company. Yeah. And like that's
0: actually that's a more consistent product than anyone else is going to be getting, because um, if you grab any one of the names of the forging houses that do the stuff, uh, you have your own line and own dies, and the receivers are being finished by the same company that has their own line and own dies at one forging house, and those two rece- those receivers are either going to you guys at Arrow. Or to you guys, an arrow, but they're getting branded ballistic advantage.
1: Yeah, and that's like, the that's that's the that's the thing of it. And you get all you get all those features out of it, like the integrated trigger guard, the flared magwell. I mean, it just looks kind of badass. I know, like uh, looks on not justification for a that's, product. That's but everyone's a damn good looking receiver.
0: <laughs> I I the thing that does it for me is the threaded bolt catch pin. <laughs> oh
4: yeah, yeah, those are those are great actually. That is and that the, is the uh, one feature that solves assist. it.
0: Yeah, like those are the those features
4: s- just seal the deal for me. I've ever installed a forward assist, but it is it is kind of a pain in the it
0: is a pain in the dick and like to be able to just I whenever I normally build an AR, <laughs> I'll just like uh buy a an assembled upper <laughs> there, already has it installed so I don't have to put it in. But like the threaded thing just makes it easy. You just
1: pop it in and you're good. Right? Yeah, I mean that's that's most people's like favorite thing. Um like, I can't tell you how many times I've like boogered wool pins or scratched up receivers when I was like kitchen building back in the day before I was where I am now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a super nice thing. You know, just get get the right size wrench, put some Vibertide VC3 on it, thread it in, call it good. So, were you involved with
0: the direct development of the M4E1 or was that before you got to Arrow?
1: Dude, that's before my time. First receiver I bought on my 21st birthday was an M4E1. <laughs>
0: okay. So that, no. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And then I, I started with the company when I was 21. So, um, yeah, well, that was not, I, I can't take uh, any any sort of credit for that one.
0: But like it's, it's been around from arrow since you've been there, but like,
1: yeah, yeah. It was it was several years old when I started at the company.
0: I mean, it's still, it's a super smart design, uh, as it sits. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. um, and the barrel manufacturing stuff that you guys do is also good. Um, I think I have a stronger preference towards the Ballistic Advantage line over the standard Arrow line.
1: Well, you get more profiles through uh, BA directly. That's the, the kind of the big thing you're getting.
0: I, uh, I also find the gas ports are a little bit more um, to my liking from BA.
1: Yeah, on the Hansen profiles are very particular on those specific line of uh, of barrels. That's one of those things, though. Too, it's like no free launch, right? Like um, depends on what you're building for and like the type of builder, right? If someone's just kind of like not sure, like <laughs> it's okay to have a little bit more gas.
0: Well, and it's also My, uh, it's entirely like uh, if <laughs> if you're not everyone's going to be trying to like tune and dial in a suppressed gun with no gas to the face. Right? Like, not everyone's trying to do that. But that guy will, most guys are going to complain that Tula doesn't feed in their freaking AR. Right?
1: Yeah. So I always um, laugh about, like, I need the th- the the 315 ejection pattern. Like, that's another chart that needs to go away. Oh,
0: um, God. I hate that one so much.
1: Because we already uh, killed
0: the handgun
4: chart. We need to kill that one.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things like a gassing isn't necessarily everything it's carrier velocity. That's what you actually need to be paying attention to. And that can be a result of gassing weight of the carrier weight of the buffer system and B, the actual like pattern in which it ejects can be affected by more things than just carrier velocity. It is like a piece of evidence, I suppose, but like people get way too wrapped up in it, way too, I mean, wrapped like your,
0: up. your ejector could have, an extractor can have a whole impact on that in itself.
1: Yeah, like, like, trim a, cr- I'm not recommending people do this, but if you trim a couple, like, coils off your extractor sp- or your ejector spring, report back and tell uh, me what happens.
4: That's like, a uh, 5.56, five, gotta go fast. Rest in peace, buddy. He, he loved <laughs> clipping springs.
3: But
1: <laughs> it's it's one of those things, like, I just, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta build to the use case. Like, it, like, having a gun that's a little over gas is fine. It'll run in more conditions. Like, it's not everything it has to be like a perfectly tuned three gun rifle. And I actually advise against that most use cases. Because if you change ammo or the gun gets dirty or anything slows that carrier velocity down just a little bit, gun no work no more.
0: Yeah. And that's I a think technical term gun no worky. Now, I guess the question that I have uh, following up on that is given that you know what you know about building these things out. What's it feel like to then look at a picture of a rifle that somebody built on an arrow receiver set and just think,
3: man,
5: I don't
0: know how that guy's proud of that gun.
1: I mean, you know, I'm, uh, even if it's not in my taste, I'm, if they're stoked on it, I'm stoked for them, you know? Wow. And I'm not, I'm by no means the aesthetic standard of like what a firearm should be. I love like weird dissipator A2 quad rail builds with carry handles. Like that's my, that's my jam. So (laughs) I'm by no means the standard of what a, like what a gun should look like.
0: I mean, that's, that's a lot more tolerable than a lot of the uh, atrocities I've seen with like horrifically anodized parts
1: um yeah not my speed you know again you know different strokes for different right. folks
0: you're, you're being too nice and too professional about that i can't stand that sort of thing and i would be embarrassed to hold your gun if you have those parts on your gun
1: yeah there is definitely some like moments where i'm like someone will find out what i do or i'll be at a trade show I'm like, look at this rifle i just built and they show it to me and i'm like oh cool it's like have you ever worked at a gun counter everyone wants to show you their custom That's block
2: good. Yep. Dude, that's just like somebody finds out like, <laughs> yeah. oh, so-and-so's into guns, and it's like you become the person, and they start showing you shit, and it's just the most god-awful thing you've ever seen, and yeah. you just gotta be like, yeah, man, that's yeah, man. really cool.
1: Just just give like, them a good hell yeah, and then just kind of go about it. Yeah. Like, hell I mean, yeah. Like, I think people in general, right, another side tangent here, like if you see something that's like sideways and you're like, hey, that's a problem for, especially if that's like the problem for the use case, like instead of just going on the offensive and being like, hey, you're a moron, like trying to educate them. Because again, going back to that previous statement, like we all start somewhere.
4: Uh, uh, what's <laughs> the old saying? You get more flies with honey than with vinegar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if you just um, roast the, the f- fuck
4: out of someone, they're just going to hate you for making fun of it. And and not the, listen.
1: To- yeah, and the community needs way less of that. Like, there's—I will be the first to say there's way too much of that going on. I don't. I don't have the heart for
2: like to tell somebody that they bought a piece of shit. Like they uh, already d- bought
0: it, and I'm just like, I I do, I do, I do tell I people just that they bought a shit I can't man, but it. I don't, I don't let it like ruin their stuff and i it's also kind of like you have to consider like they're gonna shoot it 200 they're times gonna shoot total. it they're gonna use it however much they're gonna use it they're gonna get their use out of it and frankly a lot of people are never gonna shoot their guns enough to ever have a problem with the atrocity they committed on that receiver set it's just
4: not i i had like, a friend buy uh, a radical upper about four or five years ago but i knew I knew it was only gonna get fired like fifty times. So I was like, ah, that's fine.
5: Yeah,
1: he's uh, not gonna shoot it. I uh, like my what's my fi- like my favorite go to is like what do you like I'll hit him like with what are you using this for? And then if they hit me with like some like where it's like like apparent that it's life saving equipment, I'll point to like, oh I probably wouldn't trust that to my like life. Here's why and like you give them an explanation rather than just saying like such and such is bad. <laughs>
0: Are you sure you want to use that, like Amazon Red Dot? And they're like, well, "I don't see a problem with it." Like, yeah, yeah, that's to see a problem with that. That is
2: worse than any gun brand you could buy. Anybody that makes an AR versus the whole Amazon optic thing.
1: Oh, like, dude. But that, like, that 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 optic will always be the weakest link.
0: It will <laughs> always be the weakest link. I so, so <laughs> I had this conversation at the counter once that was the most like. I cannot believe I'm having to explain this to this guy. Um, there's a local sh- uh, county sheriff's deputy that walked in and he got approved to go from the jail to working on the street as a patrol officer. And so he had to get his patrol rifle set up with a red dot. And I was, I pulled out like an Aimpoint Pro and like a Vortex Strike Fire or like Vortex Spark like one of the little T2 type ones, and that's something else, right? And he was going through the list and he was like, Oh man, I don't know. Like even that vortex is kind of expensive. And I'm like, you're betting your life on this. It's two hundred dollars. Just spend it.
1: Yeah, I think there's some of that needs to be like self-learned. Um, I think everybody you can buy the nicest gear, the most expensive mm-hmm. gear. You need you need to go take a class. Yeah. you will learn so much more at a reputable intro to carbine class than you will from like browsing Reddit and getting secondary opinions. Like you need to like, some people just need to learn that stuff themselves. And again, even if you buy the most expensive gear, there is go validate because nobody's infall- infallible. We're not infallible. Um, the Gucci tier quote unquote manufacturers are not infallible. Mm-hmm. Uh, ma- make sure your stuff works. Like, <laughs> um, and like, especially if you're new to it, right? If you like, if you've taken classes and you know what kind of look for, and you're going to shoot, like, make sure you run your gear and are like confident in that. Because you need to treat it like an airbag or a fire extinguisher.
0: Yeah, like you got to make sure it actually
1: works. I mean, I mean, don't test, a- don't, don't test your airbag. No, hold on, you want me to you know test I mean? my? Okay, no, don't test your airbag. But um, it's it's like that same I was type just of Just about format. to go out to
0: my truck and start punching the dash really hard. Come on, I do. Oh, that hold on, let every me find my keys. I get room. home
2: from work already. You don't do that? I
0: mean, sometimes. uh, But yeah, like the it's very apparent that some people have not been at a carbine class and watch a gun go down that was clearly had no business being at that class. Right.
1: So, you know, I hate like uh, like what's this? what, What am I trying to say? I hate like when people like see one failure and they repost it over and over and over again. Right. Mm-hmm. That been, uh, you're seeing the secondary source of this one failure that somebody had like a thousand times um, but you uh, and you see this with like trends too. like one guy had a negative opinion of an LPVO and then everybody hates LPVOs now <laughs>
0: didn't you oh, yeah, hear yeah. ACOGs are actually the best thing ever oh yeah well, actually actually, no now it's going to be two and a half to tens with red dots in the top or now it's going to be LPVOs again because okay wait hold cop, on we you're saw cop in 10. Nashville use one to
2: the stop two and, and a half to ten thing, I'm about to do that, so, so don't, don't make it the new thing, or otherwise they'll get really expensive.
1: But where I was going with that is um, there's an inst- uh Jack, he's a Thunder Ranch instructor, and he'll like, mm-hmm. this post, when they, when they have like a failure at a class, like a, a piece of equipment goes down, they'll be like, hey, here's what happened. And it's just like really good raw data and he's not like super opinionated about it or anything, it's just like, yeah, th- this is what we saw, and they see like a ton of high round count guns come through. And they'll even say like if something fails, he's like, "Yeah, this dude's ran like 15 classes with this thing. Like it's had cases and cases and cases of ammo go through it. Um, Guns are wear parts; stuff breaks. Uh, Change your recoil springs. That's what I'll tell people. Oh boy, does
4: anyone else uh, autistically track round? Like I
2: Mm, maybe (laughs) no, no.
4: (laughs) Don't (laughs) don't look at the piece of paper in my ammo can." Oh, piece will, of paper. I have a note.
1: I will tell you what I do though. If I go like shoot like a class or do like I know I for a fact I have like five thousand rounds to this rifle. Um, this is something people should do in my opinion, but I'll go through and re-spring everything. And like handguns I'm the same way. I think you should change your handgun spring every so often. That's what kills handguns is the spring going bad. That's how they beat themselves apart. That was the downfall of the Beretta in the United States military, in my opinion. <laughs>
0: I mean, I I don't feel like that's at all even possible. Like the handgun springs breaking? Come on, no, it wouldn't be undersprung and handed through a ringer of uh, enlisted people, and springs- it would don't be break. fine. It's just that the it Brett m is a piece a of little. shit. It's just it's just a piece of shit. Couldn't be that you got handed it to a bunch of different people for thirty years for the same gun
1: springs are not lifetime parts like that's my bit. Ba- anyone who's worked a rental, like a, a range with a rental counter will mm-hmm. learn this like i used to have so before i worked at era i worked at a local shop out here that had a range um bullseye and tacoma and we would uh you know we had a toolbox full of dead you know dead, dead guns and you'd get some guy coming in all puffy chest about like this brand's better than this brand and then you just like oh, i'm gonna open up this company's drawer and there's like 15 handguns from that manufacturer that broke
0: well yeah, like it happens all the time. Like you have to actually maintain your parts and maintain your stuff.
1: Uh um, the one the one gun that would refuse to die without fail though, USP forty fives, they they just they go. We shot the rifling out of one of them. Like it was on range for like a decade. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's but yeah, that's other than,
3: incredible. Other that's than that. Awesome. That is on, so a hand, awesome. on a
1: handgun barrel. I was like, it, it wasn't like fully shot out, but like the last like inch of the barrel was like, if there was like the middle was the only part that had right. <laughs> How many rounds, just How many rounds? Round is that? That's like 10 million rounds, zero issues at least, you know,
4: <laughs> 10 million rounds, one huge fucking answer. <laughs> it's just literally a pipe. It's just a pipe with a breech on it. <laughs>
1: there is no uh, rifling anymore. <laughs> I think the slide well, is just heavy most enough. Of on that, that are coming
2: into uh, rent pistols would never know that it's not accurate. Oh, no, they'll never notice.
1: <laughs> oh no! Like I, 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 lose sleep That's over some point, of the stuff Eric. I saw there.
2: Holy shit! This thing gets on paper from five yards. No fucking way. It's like, hey, dude, take a class.
0: Oh, dude, it's it's the funniest when I look at guys that like when they show up to a class and they have a gun that just like. You could tell, like they they were told by their buddy, "Oh, we can build this rifle cheaper, like half the cost than whatever this reputable brand is." And they show up, and it dies, and they walks off the line, and has to use the instructor's rifle for the rest of the class.
1: Dude, I had one that like was a real head scratcher. I took a uh, urban rifle class at Thunder Ranch, and um, I was very fortunate to be able to to do that. And we're there, and the, these this couples there, and they have these rifles, and they like both went down. <laughs> Mm. And so I I, I I like, like I had, a, I had a, like an intermission. So I like set my stuff down and I'm running over to help. Um, and, uh, I'm talking to him and like, Oh yeah, these are just kind of our beer, like cheap rifles. We have nice ones at home. And I'm like, you spent all this money to come out to this like world-class training facility. And ch- you brought your cheap gun. Will you say what, what the cheap guns were? <clears throat> I couldn't even tell you, dude. I, I can't remember what the receivers were, but like the parts that were inside it were like gun show table, like, well, you, you, you know the table I'm talking about at the gun show. Like, yeah, no I end, been, like you know, you
0: like the mystery meat uh, bolt carrier and all that.
1: Yeah. Like, like it was 100% Chinese bolt carrier group. Like, I was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah. That, that is
2: <laughs> one thing, though. People like, oh, that my nice gun. I can't shoot that. Like, why do you even, I mean, if it was like a surplus rifle or you know something cool but like you paid these are all brand new parts that nobody gives a fuck about like
0: They're there's no rarity
2: you just bought expensive parts that you don't want to shoot.
0: well let's just remind people you're not getting the resale value out of the gun you thought you're going to get
1: so just shoot your nice gun well that's what everyone tells their significant others are like oh this is an investment i grew no, up watching not. my dad I, I grew up watching my father do that i learned i learned the, the ancient wisdom <laughs> You just you just say it's an investment. It's okay. I I
0: still get a giggle out of the, the guy. The trick that is that I'm into... never going to sell. Exactly. I I still giggle at the guy that came into our shop and paid us extra money so that he could buy a CZ bread at, uh... Go home with a receipt saying he bought the CZ bread at the price he was going to tell his wife he paid for it. <laughs>
1: See, that's why we're such a beautiful company. We sell parts, so you can <laughs> use one receipt at a time. Build a floor rifle.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's the that's the best
2: way to do it. Or you can yeah. order it all at once and regret it.
1: But it like it pains me when I see like individuals will buy these like and like I'll, I'll call out a company here. Knights like people will buy like SR15s, right? And then they don't shoot them, and it like hurts to look at because I'm like that gun is designed to be ran hard, like shoot the damn gun. Like <laughs>
0: you're supposed to use it.
1: Like just, it's like, it's a, it's a good rifle.
4: Oh, another one I'm gonna shit on is uh, people with radian rifles. Right- um, and I like just dropping a comment in there. I'm just like, yeah, that looks on. Un-
3: yeah, you cut I mean- out of there. You cut out there a little bit. You say unfired.
4: Uh, another another one that I see a lot of uh, is radium <laughs> that always just look pristine.
0: Uh, and- oh 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 no! Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you're cutting out so bad, but the the pristine what? radium that hasn't been shot. I I get I, I get you.
1: And I'm like, just shoot the thing. It's it's made to be shot. Like it's. I mean, supposed carved, to use carved- it. You mean it's I th- use it's good anything- paint? I just use really good spray paint. It's like the same thing like car people will do. They'll buy this really nice car and then it just sits in a garage for you know ten decades. I mean, you it doesn't, mean that, seven, those seventy year speed. old
0: Corvette owners? Yes, yes, yes. Or the like the guys that have that sort of thing where like they have. I mean, I get the idea. Maybe with like a collectible car, I could maybe get a collectible car.
2: That's the little touch of the autism though. Like you're just buying it so it can sit in your garage just so you know you have it. Well, uh, no,
0: not necessarily. Like you still have to go use the damn thing. Right, like I don't know a car guy that doesn't drive the cool car that they built out. That is their thing. Well, I mean that's fair, yes. but it's still weird to them. They still take it out every now and then. They just don't daily it,
1: right? I love, I love when I go to car shows and it's like um, I'm not digging these people for it because a lot of the cars I've seen it on it was more than warranted. But they'll like trailer it there and then just like neutral roll it off the trailer. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen that that hurts but like again usually it's warranted like i'm 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 a big uh japanese car guy and i was at a show and this dude had like a mint 80s like subaru xt turbo and those were cars that no one ever cared about so there's like very few that are in that condition i'm like okay you know i get i get i get you i see what you're doing
0: yeah like i i get that but it's the same kind of thing is you get this whole like does it run (laughs) Do you even know if it runs anymore? If you neutral He's actually hiding off the, the fact that he knows it doesn't, but he still wants to show it up.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think what we're doing is we're just creating in 60 years, there's going to be a bunch of mint condition ARs that are, I know what I got.
0: I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of already that way.
1: But like uh, real bad. Uh, I'm talking like M1 grand level where it's like a, it's like a sewer pipe barrel and they're like, oh yeah. The, this mid condition one sold for this much money. Mine mine will sell for that.
0: Oh, I I used to love seeing people do that when they would come in and try to sell a used gun to you. And it's like I'm not giving you what gunbroker says someone listed it at. right once the
2: once the um once the army gets its new rifle and all that shit may actually happen or whatever, you think all the FN ones that are gonna be just shit like that. It'll be just like the M1 Grands where it's like, oh, I know what I got. This thing was in the Iraq war. This one killed Osama bin Laden. I have the papers that say it did.
1: Do you guys, just, uh, speaking of gunbroker listings, do you guys, uh, the firearm blog, uh, Austin, he does hot gad or fud crap? No, but this <laughs> sounds great. It's uh, gun gunbroker listings and then the viewership gets to vote on if it's a hot, a hot gad or fud crap. And it's one of my uh, favorite literature series in the fire firearms industry because you see some really, really, really funny stuff, <laughs> or okay. really cool stuff. It's like one or the other. Like if you if you if you just need like some good reading, you know, toilet reading or whatever. There's um, the series has been running a long time, and it's there's some there's some gems in there.
0: <laughs> oh man, this this sounds like the uh, our our one that we mentioned earlier, the SRA. And honestly, just honest, guns on social media in general and any sort of guns on the internet, you're going to find the the most atrocious crap.
1: Yeah, it's uh, quite, quite a world we live in. The internet is a beautiful and horrible thing at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the gun thing is no
2: different than every other hobby where there's always people that are just...
0: One of my buddies a... put this very well. Uh, he said that guns... Attract retards, they just do, and you don't get a say in that
1: <laughs> it's uh oh it's just one of those things. it's like a thing that a lot of people are into, and as a result, you get a lot of people with poor taste, yeah um there's a, a side tangent here. I saw a uh i was at a gun show two weeks ago, and I'm secretly a uh, big shotgun guy that's like my my jam um saw a really nice uh, a five made in belgium got really excited had a little bit of surface rust but i'm like for the price easy um had a poly choke on it do you guys know what poly chokes are oh that's a cool one okay had a poly choke on it and then i like i'm looking closer at it and like the longer i looked the worse it got and it just made me so so sad the uh what killed the sale was it was chopped and then the poly choke was put on and then like they did nothing to like make the rib correct so there's just like half of a rib Bridge Ooh. sticking out. I'm like, this breaks my heart. This is this at one time was a super nice shotgun.
0: <laughs> Somebody just like butchered this thing.
1: But you know, uh, polychokes nope. are cool. and i I don't know why they didn't catch on more. I was thinking about this. I'm assuming it's weight and just a lot, like and a lot of people in the field aren't going to be like, oh, you know, like they're gonna get a gun for for pheasant or a gun for trap or a gun for whatever. Um. So it's kind of like a one size fits all solution, which people—it's either a fifty-fifty; they'll work or they don't. And this one just, you know, rolled bad numbers.
0: Yeah, I feel like that one—the polychoke—is almost a thing that if it was reintroduced now,
1: I think the market would want it. Well, people hate I, shotguns now, so maybe not, but well, an idea. All
0: I'm saying is there's a market right now where people are buying silencers for their shotguns, so the idea of a polychoke being mm. too heavy on the end of the gun doesn't hold any water.
1: True. Um, I should polychoke uh, a 1301. That would be... Confused people. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> yeah that's that's that would be so that'd be really funny i have a a period correct uh this is like going way off of topic so i apologize but um this is how i am i have a, a period correct uh duck bill choke that's supposed to be oh, like no silver soldered on so i'm trying to find a 37 that i can if it 37 that i can like donate to that choke
0: <laughs> that's gonna be a challenge
1: But I got to find one that's like not in good shape. So I don't feel bad about like whacking the barrel off at 18 inches and putting a duck bill on it.
0: I mean, the duck bill is just something that's just so silly that I want it. Like I I want one. It's a gun show find. It's period. Correct.
1: It's new in box. It's from like like the 70s or 60s or 70s. The company that made it doesn't exist anymore. I tried to like look into it, but I'm like, this is cool.
4: That's
0: wild. I've never actually, I've never seen a ductile choke in person.
1: This one I've looks kind of funny, though. It's not like the ones the military use. It's like a full. Sh- it's like instead of having like the uh, splits in the side, it's just mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's a cone that goes down a duckbill shape.
5: <laughs>
0: it's just the weirdest looking cone you've ever seen.
1: It's a goofy as hell,
0: dude. That sounds cool as shit. Honestly.
1: But anyway, sorry for the uh, the sidebar no, there.
0: Tangents are welcome around here, uh, dude. I, that's that's cool. That's I'm a, cool.
1: I'm a gun guy, you know. I like I like I like all of it, not just the, the stuff my company does or the stuff I do.
0: Another thing that's like really important is a lot of people don't realize that like if you're buying product from someone who you are questioning whether or not they're going to be able to help you if something goes wrong, it's not a good thing. And Arrow has done a good job of having that prominence in the industry to actually get someone to come and help you if you have something go wrong.
1: Yeah. And that's one of those things that should be, again, pretty consistent throughout. And we uh, do put a big emphasis on that. I know we had, uh, like post pandemic, we had some pretty, uh, by our standards, substantial backlogs and stuff um, just due to staffing issues and whatnot, because it was just, of a perfect storm but you know we're back kind of on top of it and that's that's always been um kind of at the forefront of the customer service experience again regardless of who um so that's you know that's that's a priority for us always you know making sure we take care of you know the customer at the time of purchase and after the purchase right it's not like a uh one-time one-time relationship it's we're servicing that customer for the life of that product
0: yeah, no, I mean that makes perfect sense.
3: I think the um there's a lot of people that also at the same time, it's kind of worth saying you can't always expect
0: a company to warranty you're stupid. Like Oh, we try. We try. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might not be the most fair thing to tell ask a company, hey I did dumb thing, can you take care of dumb thing for me? Maybe be like Yeah.
1: We get some. Okay. We get a monthly my BCG out of spec and doesn't fit, and then we ask them to send us a picture, and the the bolt is sticking out of the back of the receiver.
0: No,
4: and I and I, and I, and I, and, I, and, I, and I wish no I was joking. I and wish it, I was joking. It, it,
0: the, they didn't pull the head of the bolt out of the. Not, oh, not no, even, no, 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 not no, 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 no. No,
4: he's saying oh, backwards. No,
0: the reverse. Oh, the reverse. Oh my God, that's even worse. I, I saw that once from my buddy. Hey. Okay. But when he's cleaning my gun. But he's cleaning they his gun. Have no idea. No, no. no. They have no
2: idea, right? Yeah. You tell me, yeah. That the first thing they do is go to the manufacturer for warranty help instead of like I don't know, go to a gun shop, please. Google or Google.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a teaching moment, right? Like again, everyone learns somewhere. The only time I like personally take issue with it is when there's like a level of like insolence in their tone. And like they're they're just immediately like, hey, you sold me a bad product. I'm like, no, we didn't. Again, it's a teaching moment. Um,
0: like, set, let, send me your, a picture of your upper... Oh, it's backwards. Oh, god damn it.
1: Yeah, and you, and you know, just about every time there's like, again, it, it, it's a it's a positive experience, and there's like humility about it. But it is a thing that happens.
0: I, um, I had one of those with my buddy with his first AR. Like, he's like, I, my gun won't go back together, and I like call him. And he's like, okay. I guess I can come over and help you look at your rifle. And I walk in and see that, that with the bolt, the, the you know, bolt lug sticking out of the back of the gun. Like, Oh no. You're yeah. fucking with me buddy.
1: And we all start somewhere. Like I'll, I will be the first to tell you when I got my first AR, I tried to freaking put the bolt in with the bolt collapsed. And I was like, why doesn't this work? I YouTubed it and figured out why, but you know, that's not something people are just going to like know off the gate, especially if it's a first time yeah. buyer.
2: Kind of off the topic of ARs, I had a guy message me because his AK, he got the hammer to fire in front of the bolt.
3: I don't know if you have ever messed with an AK, but it was possibly the (laughs) funniest thing. I was
2: like, how the fuck did you do that, man? He's like, I have no idea. I can't fix it. Yeah, I, I, I had to FaceTime him and teach him how to take apart his AK, but it was like how do you get to that point?
1: <laughs> yeah. I've never had that one before. I've I've seen some pretty gnarly AK malfunctions, but never that. Careful. Don't call them malfunctions. Oh, no, AKs just do that. They're the, most reliable. Design intention. They're the most reliable gun in the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unless you get mud in the action, then they just don't work, but sorry uh or
4: sand i can vouch for sand
1: (laughs) in case they're good guns like this is another soapbox i can go on they're good guns um i think western media specifically has given them this like pedestal to stand on and i'm like no you know they're good rifles they're good it's not like magic if you need to manufacture a rifle in a country that might not be the most current Okay, stamp sheet metal is easier to work with. Rivets are easier to work with, um, but they they do they do break. They do they do jam. And I love AKs. I do. And you can uh, you I'm can just, tell
2: you can tell uh, which companies fell for the AKs are really easy to manufacture when they try to
1: manufacture. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, if that ever becomes a discussion <laughs> we have, I'm gonna like request we hire somebody that's like. <laughs> It's like yeah. very intimately involved in the manufacturing of those because I don't want that. That's something I would never want. It's like, oh, we're going to make an AK and then like it just sucks. <laughs> um, it explodes. The destructive yeah, device and it's actually not allowed to be sold. Yeah, I don't want any hand grenades. That's not not the goal, but it's um, yeah, that's a funny thing too. Or like The whole thing for a while where it was like um, there was a certain TV show that's no longer in circulation, but where they were like, oh, we're going to put a piston kit in this AR to make it as reliable as an AK. I'm like, oh, DI is just fine. <laughs> DI is more than okay. Oh, to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of a
3: lot of drop-in piston kits. Drop-in
2: piston kit.
1: Like, it just makes it worse, that's usually. Like a like, terrible before, idea. Like, the HKs do no. it pretty well for, like, a piston AR. Like, that's the one I would be like, yep, that's okay. <laughs>
4: If you buy a drop-in piston kit, it should come with a 500-round box of 6.8 SPC for how relevant it is today. Hey, don't talk about (laughs)
1: 6.8. Don't talk bad about 6.8. That's a travesty (laughs) what happened to that cartridge. (laughs) Super cool.
0: I actually think the best thing that ever happened to 6.8 was 224 Valkyrie. Sorry.
1: Um, Hornady would like to have a word with you as of like a week ago.
0: Oh, 22 ARC? No, just use 6 ARC. 22 ARC is retarded. <laughs> I'm
1: pretty excited for it, dude. I don't know. I'm pretty excited for like a Varma cartridge. Um, pretty stoked okay. for it. 22 ARC
0: is going to get all the buzz, but nobody wants to talk about how fucking cool 22 Creedmoor is.
1: Um, Well, I think it makes more sense for the use case. You guys case. are going to lose your mind when you hear about 223 Remington. No way! Oh, no way. Cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm actually really excited for the 22 arc, and I think the bullets they're pushing out with that um, are going to be pretty cool. That new VLD bullet with the hollow cavity is pretty awesome, from what I can see. Um, but I that's mean, something uh, we're just just for the record, we are a, a, a quote unquote partner for that, so that, that expect some some movement there if you want to try it.
0: <laughs> I would. I would love to hear more from you after you've had a chance to shoot that.
1: I've seen them in the flesh. um, And it thus far, uh, you know, checked out. And like, I think the ballisticians at Hornady are um, some of the best in the world right now. So I think it'll be good, especially for the fact that you can like drop it into an AR 15 size rifle um, for like a coyote rifle or something. That's freaking awesome.
0: I mean, that's the nice part about it. I think it's a very cool caliber concept. I just, I don't. I think that six arc was actually doing just fine on its own, and that it's gonna the uh, the fate of twenty two arc is as doomed as two twenty four Valkyrie.
4: I just I think, don't know. The, I just think it's odd how. I just I'm think sorry, it's odd ahead. how uh, for the last few years it seems like every couple months they're reinventing the same cartridge that came out like a year or two it's it's just been a weird fucking cycle
1: i think people see that and they focus on like bullet size and approximate case size but um and i'm not like an authority on this there's dudes that can talk about it much more intelligently than i can right but as far as developing a full cartridge there's a little more that goes into it as far as case geometry and that type of thing right um so it's just making it more making doing whatever you know somebody 10 years ago or even some cases like we see cartridges like 30 years ago tried to do but doing it more efficiently so it's more viable
0: and there's certain other things also to say that like it's easier for a particular company who has just gotten done developing item x turning around and going to extend that to y and z as they go down the path
1: and I think, like if you're making the distinction between six and twenty two, I think the, both of those cartridges have very different use cases. I would agree with that. like uh, I would not hunt I would not hunt mule deer with a with a twenty two caliber. I can't legally in Washington anyways. but um for like coyotes or prairie dogs or that type of stuff, I mean, it, it looks pretty awesome, and the bullet technology they're putting into it uh, seems impressive, you know, so far mm-hmm.
0: uh, it' really funny. so a lot uh, prairie dog and rifle uh one of the times i had a customer that wanted a prairie dog rifle he bought uh, a browning x bolt in 223 and he thought this is the perfect gun for it and i told him i was like yo man like i will order you this rifle if you're dead set on getting it like i'm happy to order it for you but i'll just tell you right now you're just gonna go use an ar and he's like no man i think this is what i really want and i'm like okay sure $1,200 later, he's got his rifle. He comes back in after his first Prairie Dog gun. He's like, you were right, man.
1: Dude, you know what gun I bought for Prairie Dog that um, is like one of my favorite rifles now? Um, I got a mm. Begara BMR in 22. Oh, no shit. Dude, with a dead air mask on it, that thing is so much fun to shoot. Um, like the long range 22 thing I used to think was kind of silly, but I get it now. I'm like, okay, this is like a ton of fun. Especially out here cuz like you can't find a 1000 yard range anywhere out here um in western Washington. Like you're lucky to find 300. So being able to have like a cartridge that um is not designed for that. <laughs> yeah, it, it just actually
0: sucks. It is not good for anything past 100.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, it it might be able, able to, push it to, to try it. to push it.
1: Yeah, it makes it more and you, and you can't control the ammo as much, right? Like um but, I mean, you can do some pretty impressive stuff with them, though. Like these these NRL twenty two dudes that are building these like open guns. It's it's pretty crazy to see um, how much, they're putting a lot of work into it. Don't get me wrong, but they're oh, yeah. uh, they're shooting these things out like three hundred yards consistently, and you are like, that's impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of nuts, honestly. Like I I remember one time I went to the long range uh, with my buddies, and uh, it was like out in the plains area, and so we could, like go out there, and we're Shooting like three oh eights and three hundred wind mag and stuff like that, and we look over, and we were hitting at a thousand. And there's like these like small little splashes we're seeing at the five hundred yard target. And we look over, and there's a guy sitting there with suppressed NRL twenty two, just clicking away and having a ball. And I'm like, all right, go for it, bud. Like, oh. I think he. I know. Had- we priced out what he had. Like we actually looked up all, like the components and stuff and he had like a $4,000 22 rifle.
1: I mean, it's not hard to do with uh, what these guys are doing. Like you buy like a, like a voodoo barreled action and build it out. It's like very easy to hit <laughs> four grand. Yeah. Um, especially when you consider like glass and everything. Right.
0: Yeah. When you throw like the same glass, the guys are using for the like thousand yard shots on your 22, because you're just that down the rabbit hole uh you're you're hitting four grand pretty easy
1: yeah it's uh it's easy to do and then like the when you get into the expensive 22 ammo 22 ammo can get expensive really quick
0: yeah wildly expensive
1: was that i just shoot cci standards but <laughs> it's
0: probably the move probably the move. Ely at the nicest
1: Even Ely is expensive. I mean, some of the nicer shooting stuff I've shot. Like I got, I picked up a box. It was like twenty dollars for a box of fifty, which hurt for twenty two. But it was some. It was some federal gold medal. It was like a limited run they did of like gold medal match twenty two back in the day. Gold medal ultra match, I think, is what they called it. And that stuff shot amazingly, but it was twenty dollars a box versus the five I pay for for standards.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things I I want to eventually get down the rabbit hole of building something really cool like that but it's like you know i'm just gonna settle for getting a 22 can before i do any of that crap
1: yeah the 22 cans what makes it the really fun part because you're just sitting out there without ear pro just blinking away um with subs and you get better accuracy out of subs anyways out here it's really weird so i don't know where you all are at but washington's western washington is extremely mountainous so you'll get this really uh, funny thing where we, like I'll shoot at sea level at my like local range or near sea level at my local range and I go up in the mountains to shoot and then my subsonic ammo, or my ammo that was subsonic is now supersonic because of the air spinner. Ah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I haven't had quite that problem but usually we ended up just shooting the cheapest supersonic stuff we could. Which, I mean, wasn't a big deal. But I like... <clears throat> 22s are, I think... Uh, 22LR is a gateway drug. 22 cancer a gateway drug. Like,
3: get them. Like, it, it's, it's the most fun. It's the most fun.
0: And I will fully make this statement. If you don't have at least a decent 22 pistol or 22 rifle, like... Killed in the streets. Dead. <laughs> dead. Dead. Deadest ever. You um, are a liability. You're not going to make it.
1: Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but the twenty-two actually bounces around in the skull. It, Very it's, it's bouncing twenty-two.
2: Yeah, I actually saw that on NCIS. It's real. It's, it's real. real.
0: <laughs> Absolutely real. I really uh, like the the so the thing with the twenty-two is why I, I say that is it is you're not doing a good job of trying to be an ambassador as a gun owner if you don't have a good twenty-two to take people
1: out to shoot, like. Just not. Because it's the least Thank intimidating you. gun in the world. Thank you. That Bavara I, is the best gun to start people on.
5: Yeah, I have a five like like purely to for that.
3: AR.
2: I will when never... They, anybody that's never shot, I will never hand them a pistol. I, I just will not do it. Because I value my life.
1: That's fair. I've heard some uh, horror stories. There's been some local oh, horror God. stories.
0: I've had it happen a few times.
1: I don't know about you guys, but when I get a new shooter, I'm like, yeah, 460. Like, let's go. <laughs>
0: 4570. Let's go.
1: I'm going to make you hate this hobby for the next 15 years.
0: I'm going to gatekeep you All so right. hard with a big gun. a <laughs> Pump shotgun with double up buck.
1: Oh, right. no, we're not, we're, no, we're not even doing that. We're doing a supernova with three and a half inch turkey loads. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that's cute. <laughs>
5: just throw them on their head.
1: I'm I'm gonna break the like, collar It's run. like
0: those dads. The dads like, man, I just don't know why my kid doesn't like shooting. Like, well, you scoped himself in the face with a the, with the 4570. Like, of <laughs> course he doesn't <laughs> like something. Or you're. Just, or you're like
2: immediately,
1: like that could possibly be it. You gave him your your single stack 40 cal subcompact and he hated shooting yeah. it. Bizarre, bizarre um, that's
0: not a pleasant gun to shoot. There you go, life. kiddo. Here's the XP,
1: dude. Hey, it was I, like, that's what my dad did to me. The uh, the one that gets me is when I uh, this was more an issue, like not an issue for me as much now, but when I worked at a counter. You'd get dudes that would come in, and it's like, "Oh, I'm here with my wife or girlfriend or whatever. She needs a um, ultralight 38 plus P revolver."
0: I
4: was about to bring that, up. and
1: we I'm like, were "Buddy, about
0: this uh, the other day with Reno, and it's like, it's so <laughs> common."
1: I'm heavy build six two. I don't like shooting those. Like, don't don't do this.
4: The most unpleasant gun I've ever fired was a compact, like magnesium frame 38 with like plus yeah absolutely not fun
0: it's the worst it's the worst experience and like it's the thing where you get these guys that will like try to talk for their wife at the counter and it's like no that's what you want her to have but she doesn't want to shoot that whereas if you actually like you listen to what she wants she wants the pink gripped kimber Oh, but that's too much gun for her. Like, no, it's not. And also, she should probably just start with, like, a Glock 19, and she'll be fine.
1: Dude, Glock 43X MOS, I think, is the perfect entry carry gun for people right now. I have a hard time arguing against that. Um, I mean, 19s are fine, too. They're just big. Like, um, I'll carry 19, but I'm also, again, a heavy build 6-2. So just to make it less... Cumbersome for that individual. Like a 43X shoot's great. Um, you get the full grip. I think that but that's a viable one. I think that's viable. Um there's a, there's a few that fall in that category. SIG has some offerings I think fit that as well. P365 but like that, that
2: is my,
1: that I size pistol that. is like perfect.
0: I think the 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 thing that people I always got on people with this is when they were looking for the first handgun. I was like. Are you gonna carry it all the time? And they're like, "Well, I'm thinking about concealed carry." I'm like, okay, but like, you're you're not set on having the ultimate in concealment at this very second, right now, right? And they're like, "Man, eh, maybe, maybe not." It's like, then don't get the smallest thing. Get get something you actually like shooting. Like your first car- your first pistol. If you're not really concerned about concealment to the serious level, should be something that you enjoy shooting.
1: 100 percent you should you should you
0: you should go shoot that gun a lot and if you like shooting it you're gonna shoot a lot and you're gonna get comfortable with it faster and that's the progression you need to have and it works out so much better um but <laughs> I always found it really funny when like you'd be like hey well if you get two sales guys and you'd pull this tactic where you'd be like okay look if she's getting the gun why don't you get yourself a gun, too. And then get the wife kind of talked into it and then just kind of pull her side Like, Okay, so let's actually go through the options that he wanted me to show you, and then I have my own suggestions and push her to the direction of the more practical guns. And then he's picking up something, that, whatever the hell he wants. But you Man, get a that's got to be
2: illegal.
3: Playing your mind games.
0: It's called
1: sales. Learn it. It's important, too. Like, if you have a shop or, like, at least a range with rentals near you, um, then, like, go shoot the thing. Yeah. Um, like, my my favorite centerfire handgun intro people, too, and it's not something I would ever, like, conceal. Uh, when I say it, it's going to be obvious, but um, I hate to go back to this gun, but USP-45 tactical with a suppressor on it. Yeah, I mean, like it's I knew huge. It, I knew- it's huge, but it's like very pleasant to shoot. It's you know, not it doesn't like jar your wrists when you're shooting it.
4: It runs USP well with 45 was almost my first hand.
1: Dude, it runs amazingly with it. It's it a probably so for a centerfire handgun, one of the better uh, I've never had an issue with a can. Like I have some striker fired pistols.
0: So I guess one of the questions I have for you given that you're in Washington um What's is it a little bit weird work knowing that you work for like one of the biggest manufacturing brands in the country when it comes to this stuff, but you still have like the
1: ten round mag band, and you're like, oh, damn. I mean, like my so our the company I work for is like co-plaintiffs on a on a lawsuit against the state right now. Um, so that that's like that helps. Um. Mm -hmm. But like it, it's annoying. You know, it's like the thing people realize is like they don't realize when they talk to us about it, like, oh just get up and move. I'm like the employees here, A, we don't want to like just like get up and move and like put all these people out of work. But B, um Yeah, but like, massive Well yeah, we're we're just we're just as disgruntled about it as everybody else in the state is, if not more. Uh so yeah, it's it's annoying. Um I kind of like with the MAG band specifically, um I have a lot of pre-ban quote-unquote um magazines I, I like i like i, I plan for it right so for new for new gunners new gun owners it really sucks though um but yeah it's i mean it's annoying um that's i i don't like seeing the state go the direction it is but you know the the best thing i can do is um keep finding the good fight and you know the company is doing the same so um, i feel you know I, I can sleep good at night knowing that
0: yeah, no, that's that's really good, and I, I like to see that Arrow has been doing that sort of stuff um, because it's it's very telling when you see companies that don't do that and they still kind of hang around states that don't like them, um, but Arrow is actively fighting, and that's good. Um, and I I like that. I think the other thing is, uh, as far as the argument goes, with a legal argument for gun ownership, uh, the number one case that can be put out there for any sort of legal action and uh like lawsuits and supreme court stuff is common use and there's really not many companies that have been put uh put as much effort into common use proliferation of the AR15 like Arrow has there's really had there's not many uh
1: yeah yeah, that's, that's a piece of it. And like our, uh, I don't know if you've read it. We have the mag ban, the, the lawsuit I'm just speaking of specifically is actually in reference to our saw weapons ban, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if you've had a chance to look into that, but it's actually one of the, it's, it's one of the worst in the country right now. Um, which was shocking. Cause it kind of happened overnight. Um, Washington has generally been a pretty, uh, gun friendly state for most of my lifetime. Um, but kind of as in the last decade, it's kind of, you've seen it kind of slowly change into what it is now. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it plays out. It's interesting. Cause it's the only ban really of this, uh, no pun intended caliber. <laughs> uh, cause like right now, even like handguards, I can't go to a gun shop and buy a hand guard for an air right now. Um, everything, every part is regulated. With ha- even
3: handguards.
1: Yep. Anything that's a assault weapon part is how they um, how the law is written, which is super annoying. Yeah, but like Um, every gun has a. But it has to be so like a handguard for like a. It's not just like handguards. Period. It's handguards for assault rifles. Period. So it's like parts regulated. It's actually insane. If I break a bolt in my rifle, I'm sol.
0: (laughs) So like when it came down to like prepping for that sort of thing you legitimately went and like bought a bunch of extra bolts and handguards and barrel nuts and such
1: yeah so dude there were have... some... there were some people who were buying like gas tubes in bulk and like it was, it was pretty crazy to see that's absolutely bananas like that's that, yeah, yeah it's that is,
0: it's beyond unconstitutional at that point
1: yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty shitty to see. I mean, to be honest, um, but you know, I can control what I can control, and um, again, just gotta keep keep finding that, that good fight, and hopefully, it'll um, go away eventually.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very similar tact to what you guys are doing to what Magpul did in twenty thirteen. And like very- the thing
1: people don't realize is if we all like if the entire firearms industry just picks up and leaves when there's a ban, like we're, we're all going to go to Wyoming or like Alaska, and then um, I think everybody should you know be involved locally, and that's I mean that's really where it makes a difference because um, most of the you know uh, unconstitutional firearms legislation you'll see is at the local level, not at the federal.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's a really good. Uh, note on that because a lot of people constantly say that we'll just move and it's like well yeah but like what are you going to do then you know and like um, another company that's similar in this perspective is Yankee Hill Machine Uh, they're in Massachusetts they've been dealing with an assault weapon assault weapons ban almost the entire time they've been making silencers Uh, but their argument has been consistently That it is worse for us to tell people who have generations of families that have worked for this company, worked in this community, and worked hard to build this company to what it is, to tell them all that it is no longer viable to be here and that we all must leave. The actual human cost on the people working there outweighs their being disgruntled with the law.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a huge thing that people don't get. Like every Facebook post we make or like Reddit post or whatever, it's like go to Texas and I'm like, No, <laughs> please yeah, you no. Could,
0: you could pack up and move all your shit to Utah and Utah would w- welcome you in, right? But like you what are you gonna do to the local like economy and all the impact that you've had as a company in
1: Tacoma? Yeah, yeah, and, and to the people like so, we did move out of Tacoma. Actually, we're still in Washington, um, but same kind of deal that didn't, that didn't affect people's jobs. We moved, you know, four exits down I five.
0: But yeah, like still functionally, like you're still in the same area. Like people yeah. still live there. People still are there, and so to tell people that they need to pack up and leave their lives uh, because the company doesn't like the state. It takes a lot of uh it takes a lot to tell people to do that. And you started to see some companies do it. Um like we've seen Smith and Wesson take that tact and leave and go to Tennessee. Um but it's not like that is it, there's enough nuance there that maybe they decided the decision made sense for them, but you guys have decided that it doesn't make sense for you. And that's I think there's no wrong answer in
1: that. And and, and for most cases, the thing is it's like for most of these companies that do end up moving, it's never the first resort to like, that's not the, that shouldn't be the immediate knee jerk reaction is just, I'm going to pick up and leave. Yeah. With the exception of like, Oh, you can't operate here. That that's the one time it makes sense. Um, which they almost did. They almost, the initial draft of that law would have put us, made it illegal for us to even operate. Um, but then there's a lot of stuff that happens where, you know, uh, talk to people like hey this is what this is going to be the consequence of this you know all these people are going to be affected and then then it changes right yeah but um for the most part like if you're still able to operate you know uh you know on any level manufacturer gun shop or whatever if you're still able to operate you know do what you can people individual people
0: (laughs) i mean i i completely i completely agree with you on that like it it impacts more of the gun community in such a negative way um to leave if you are a company of that level. Um, I can understand individuals leaving, especially with Washington. like it's entirely realistic that I would consider the idea of leaving if I was living in Washington and I didn't work for a company like Arrow, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. no, and I, I mean, like it's it's a thought, you know, that comes across like eventually. For me, again, though it wasn't an immediate knee jerk thing, it's like if this is this is going to be the state, and you know, however long is this where I want to stay? But you know, for me, this is home. I was raised here. Um, my family's here. My friends are here, and I'm going to do you know, with again with in the realm of what I can control as much as I can.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it, it's it's a really good point, and it's kind of a sad note, I guess, to kind of <laughs> put it on that. But I think it's. It's a good thing that you guys are doing, and I, I'm really proud to support you guys as a company in that context. Um, to go to a little bit more of a, a happier note, as far as like fun ideas and cool product ideas and cool project ideas that you think that Arrow could make, um what are things that you would be excited to see Arrow do?, uh, well, there's round? some
1: ex- excited st- stuff I'm excited to see us doing um that I can kind of tease a little bit. Oh, please do. Yeah, so we have uh, you know we have the M forty one. That's a pretty pretty popular product. We're making a pretty substantial um, update to that. That is in line with what a lot of people have been asking for for the left handed folk in the world. Ooh, so uh, that that'll be oh. kind of exciting to see.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, left handed shooters rejoicing for the uh, whatever. <sighs> You know affliction they have instead of just using a right-handed rifle like a normal human being,
1: or or you know right-handed shooters that want to be able to hit the bolt stop with their index finger, you know. Um, so that'll mm. be it'll be uh, it'll, it'll it'll swing both ways. It won't be uh, j- just a left-handed receiver. <laughs> ah, well, that's yeah. nice.
0: That's um, very cool.
1: Yeah, and then on the uh suppressor line, um, we have uh, you know, we're kind of tooling up for a new new suppressor for the uh rim stuff, so that'll be coming here. Hopefully, we'll have uh, more information on that by like shot show, but um, we're currently Ooh. working on it right now, so
0: that'll be very cool. Um, any ideas or thoughts for a high flow uh pipe suppressor that is minimizing back pressure?
1: <laughs> That's a whole rabbit hole, <laughs> so. Uh, right now it's not on the on the table exactly, that would be like a future state thing, um, but there's nothing immediately happening there um, because the way those are manufactured, it's kind of a whole you basically, you have to make a pretty substantial investment into machines and stuff to even be able to do that
0: yeah, but so. I know the market's kind of go, trying to go that direction um, but it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort to even get remotely close, and so I, I would be <clears throat> shocked if you never did but to out of the gate try to jump into that as well um, rather than stick with a proven solid suppressor design uh, of the typical baffle type suppressors and make them well and consistently and make quantity of them is probably a better business model.
1: Yeah, and the uh, other thing is too there, there's there's no free lunch with that technology right now. Like there are some some factors to consider that might might make people want to go to like a tr- more traditional style can. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things like I said it's not not an immediate thing, but it's not uh off the plate off the table completely. It's not on the plate.
0: <laughs> yeah, no that that makes sense is like it, it's a lot of work to do it, and it the, if you try to do it and you don't do it well, <laughs> then you're gonna never hear the end of it.
1: Yeah, and I would rather hit the the market, you know, to, to start, we'd rather hit the market with something that's kind of, it's, you know, current quote unquote technology um, and do it well and then kind of grow into that as the entire industry grows into that, which it's, it's, we're seeing the kind of the, 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 the spearhead end of that right now. But I think there's still a lot to be done <laughs> um, oh, yeah. in, in general, in general, but yeah, that's uh so it'll be basically what you can kind of expect is you know, we'll have we'll be growing that suppressor line out to different calibers. So like again, the rim fire stuff and then um you know, eventually a pistol can is kind of the intent with that. And then we'll kind of see where the, the path leads us from there, and that's when you'll start to see maybe some more different stuff. But
0: Okay, that's kind of interesting. Um <clears throat> given that there's a lot of people these days that have concerns when it comes to suppressing guns and stuff like that, and if the gun is going to be too overgassed, um, are there any plans for arrow to come up with, uh, gas mitigation stuff in that is like developed in house.
1: I mean, um, we have an adjustable gas block we make in house. Um, it's kind of a hard thing. Cause there's a couple ways to skin that cat going back to mm-hmm. like my earlier comments about carrier velocity, right? Um, you can do it at the at the gas block. Some people are doing it at the BCG right now. You can do it at the buffer. I think for most people, um, and this is what I do, is I tune my gun at the buffer. I tune it to run unsuppressed, but not too fast, and then to where it takes the edge off of suppressed a little bit. Okay. Um, and, and that's, that's just for my use case. What, what I, what I like, um, if you're going to run the gun full-time suppressed and you don't ever anticipate having to fire it unsuppressed, that's a different answer. But for like, you know, a carving that you want to do both with or be able to do both with, that's kind of what I do. So.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. As and, uh, far as your like, personal, like go-to rifle, uh, how have you configured that gun and like, What do you kind of, how do you set those sort of things up?
1: Um, right now, uh, the setup I'm really, really liking is going to be, it's an 11.5. Um, I really like that barrel length for, for most stuffs, And, uh, I I run it with, um, I have our Alice handguard. I actually have it in front of me right here. Um, so I'll set that up and I run it, you know, most of my rifles are doing I do suppressed. And then in that one right now, I have a H2. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you can go a little heavier. It just kind of depends on the gun. Just make sure it runs unsuppressed. Um, I could probably get away with an H3 in this one if I'm being honest. But um, that's what I like. And then I just throw a good optic, back up iron sights, a light. call mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. I don't have. I, ha- I don't have some like strict dogma for what, I, what for what an AR-15 should be. Like I think it's all use case dependent. Um, I don't think that's right for everybody. I don't think it's the one answer. If there was one answer, we would all make one rifle. That's the the short answer. <laughs>
0: I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good way of putting it.
1: um I like sixteens. I think sixteens don't get enough love. um they are long, but they're they're workable.
0: <laughs> so, and looking at those suppressor stuff, I see that you guys have the uh the muzzle device uh and muzzle brake system that you guys are trying to be working on. um, but I haven't seen that actually on your website yet. The Mantle, is that coming soon? What can you tell us about that? Because I'm kind of curious uh, about
5: this.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're still working on it. Um, it's it's evolved since people have last seen it. Um, so that's coming. It'll uh, interface. The muzzle devices you can expect to go with that'll be... Um, it'll be kind of a, a line of stuff that is VG6-ish um, that goes with that as far as brakes and flash headers um, that'll, that it'll mount to. Um, but it's still coming. It'll be hub-compatible, so... Okay, that's cool.
0: And then is that gonna be going through like a taper thread system or a more typical locking system?
1: Or um, a combination therein? It'll be uh it'll be you know, I can say it'll be more of a like a locking system rather than taper threads. Uh, though there's tapers on the mount, but it's not like the the threaded style that you'll see from some people.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um and then, I take it you guys have been doing the standard testing to make sure that it has the you know return to zero and stuff that people have been coming to expect out of most suppressor mounts?
1: Yeah, that's the big focus, is return to zero. Um, optimizing that and then ensuring that it not carbon lock um, as easily. Um, that's where the tapers come into play.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it seems like you guys got a good, solid idea there. I just... You know, it's a matter of actually getting it all kind of pulled together the right way.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited to share it with the world. We should have it at Shot Show, um, and it'll be more towards what it'll actually the released product will be. Like I said, it has evolved a bit since we initially debuted it. Um, But it'll be cool. Um, I'm hoping people like it. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's good. And then again, the big things are just that it doesn't carbon lock. It's quick and it's return to zero, which um, is what I think consumers expect at this point. So those boxes thus far.
0: Well, yeah, that's awesome stuff, dude. I mean, like, I think that you guys got a lot of stuff that you're working on that's kind of killing the game right now. It's, um, I, I think the best way to describe the Arrow business model is innovation you can afford. Is be the way I would describe it, is, like, it's not really innovative because it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's smart well designed, well thought out stuff at a price point that the average person can actually go get it. Um unlike people that make, you know, very extravagantly expensive guns that have cool feature sets that maybe you're really not gonna be able to go out and pick it up as easily. Yeah, and that that all comes back to
1: the first point of like how we do what we do, right? That's um it all comes down to the machine mindedness part of the company. Um being able to you know officially manufacture stuff that's what really um, i think sets us apart for most people
0: yeah no i would agree with that i think it it, you have the right balance between the efficient machine side of things and the smart uh gun guy uh influence on that and i think it definitely shows in the product line so yeah i don't actually have any other questions for you kirk do you have anything else that you want to share with the audience
1: no i mean we hit all the you know the the canned stuff and the bull gun stuff. Those are the kind of the two new things right now. And just again, continue, continue to expect those lines to grow on both ends for, for both of those. But, um, that's, that's the, the meat, meat and potatoes of the new stuff we got going. Well, right on, uh, guys,
0: thanks for listening to the cool and correct podcast. This is kind of a nice little impromptu episode with error precision. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any questions for us, you can ask them. We're probably not going to answer them. Uh, just kind of how it goes around here. but I'll answer them. If you DM me, I'll answer them. He won't answer them
2: well, but he will answer them. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, no. I'll answer them. Just not. It might not be what you want to hear.
3: And with that, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one.